Hi, my name is Tom Alston. I'm the founder and CEO of Aeromarine Tax Professionals. Here on the Winning Pitch Broadcast, I'm going to tell you how it is. I'll be sharing the ins and outs of business management, improving your sales skills, building personal and professional wealth, and balancing it all with your personal and family life, excluding the part about balancing it with your personal life. Don't expect a filter because we're about to rustle some feathers. Have fun. Good morning. This morning's issue of The Winning Pitch stars a friend of mine called Anna Marie Guacore. Usually I mess up her last name, but I've practiced before. Anna, tell people your story and start wherever you want. I don't care whether it's in the womb, in the fifth grade, or when you're in high school. Where does your story start? And take us through your trials and tribulations and how you overcame that and how you became the success that you are. Thank you. I would like to begin my story with my publishing experience. I think that is what's most relevant to the audience. Okay. I started, my family has been in the publishing business for upwards of 35 years. I would go to work with my dad from the time I was a kid. He would find things for me to do, whether it was filing papers, uh, mopping a floor or uh, organizing books on his shelf. Very basic. We would go on deliveries together. I was in general aviation airports from the time I was very young. We would drop off the magazines. I would meet people. We'd eat in the airport cafe. So I'm very comfortable in that audience. I started my own literary journal when I was in college because I always loved writing and editing. I wanted to get people's stories The journal focused on immigrant stories and the stories of senior citizens, how they came to this country, stories about their parents, stories about integrating into the United States. And that was a great project. I did it for about three years. It was a nonprofit organization. And then when our editor quit, I jumped into in-flight full-time editing the magazine. And then I would like to think that my career really started the day that I jumped into sales. And that that was a big day for me. Awesome. So it sounds like you had a really good relationship with your dad. I did. Yes. Okay. Think back to your earliest memory of your dad and tell us about it. About that. Sure. Yeah. I remember him always being in the office. Uh, we did a lot of things together that were related to the business. That's kind of how we went out and had fun. Of course, we did a lot of family things too, but we would make a lot of day trips out of going on deliveries. Um, Some of my earliest memories of him were laying out the magazine, the production of it. And we've been in this business long enough before there was cork and InDesign and before it was all done on the computers, it was laid out on flats in the traditional way. And those were some of my earliest memories of him and of our business was having a whole aisle in the office where the whole thing would be laid out manually. So why don't you tell people exactly the name of the publication and give us a little history of that? Sure. Yes. The publication is called In Flight USA. It started in 1984. My dad started it with the help of my mother, who's also a journalism major and was a journalist for the San Francisco Examiner and um, had a, a career in writing as well. They started in 1984. He was a student pilot. It was mostly geared toward flight school audience, student pilot audience, CFIs, flight instructors, That was kind of the market he was going after, the stories he wanted to feature, very general aviation focused. And that's really where it all started was with his early flight training and his desire to put it together. He was a partner with a boating publication 
a long time ago. And then after that partnership dissolved, he was thinking what he wanted to do next. And that's when he got into aviation. Okay. So that started in 84. Yes. At that point, your audience was basically the San Francisco Bay Area? Yes. It started very local. San Carlos Airport, Palo Alto Airport, uh, San Jose Airport, before it was even a big international airport, when San Jose Mineta was still kind of small. That's really where it started. Then it started going into the Los Angeles area, California Central Valley. And we've been very strong in the state of California ever since. I think it was in 1995 when it went nationwide. I, I should double check the date on that, but let's just, for all intents and purposes, put down 1995 is when it became a, a national, nationwide publication. So, what is your circulation of the print magazine? It's 20 to 30,000 on any given month. We will increase distribution and circulation when there's an air show, when there's a big event going on, but normally it, it's more in the 20,000 range. And we feel that that's good because it really covers California very well. It covers the West Coast very well. And we're growing. I mean, we plan to really increase our Midwest and East Coast distribution, as well as our Canadian distribution. There's a lot of activity going on up there, too. So you picked two times where we marked the 1984 and 1995. When was the year that you took over being the owner or editor? Let's see. I started, well... I was in and out of the business since I was in high school. So probably like 2008. And then in 2011 is when I really stepped on as a serious editor. And then let's see, I got into sales around 2013, 2014, somewhere in there. So how does a journalism major go from being an editor to into sales? Did that scare you to make that move? Well, yes, it was a little nerve wracking. I was actually a very phone shy person. I was not somebody who liked to go to networking groups or go around and meet a lot of people. I was somebody who liked to be behind the scenes writing, editing. And then it happened so fast. We actually had somebody who quit and I was asked if I wanted to step up and fill that position because we only had one salesperson and it's a lot of territory for one person to cover. So I was asked and um, it happened fast. Did I lose you? Okay, no, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, good. Yeah. And it happened really fast. Um, it was just started as of one day. It was just a, a, and that was my first day out. And I actually sold my first ad. It was a back cover to shade and eyewear, if I may say so. And that was just a great start. Uh, that really taught me how to help with artwork and get everything in the right place. And just how to make a sale and close it with the magazine. And I'll never forget that day. Okay. So I've got all these little timelines. When did you graduate from high school? Uh, 2009. And where did you go to college? San Jose State University. When did you graduate from there? 2013. Aha. Uh -huh. So you graduated from college and got to be a salesman the same year. Was that yes. your idea or your dad's idea? Well, my dad had passed away at that point. So my mother was running the business and okay. with her encouragement, as well as another person in our company, Ed Downs, he's our, our sales department lead. That's when I decided to take it on with their encouragement. So great. So how many salespeople are there in your company now? Uh, right now it's two of us. I work closely with Ed and we handle all of the sales together. Okay. Okay. So what prepared you to be a salesperson? 
Well, I've always enjoyed public speaking. I mean, I was phone shy. I'll give you that. But I enjoyed getting up in front of groups at church, at school, wherever it was, and giving speeches, uh, doing a lot of creative writing and getting up and reading my stories, poetry readings, things like that. So I think those engagements helped me. I joined Toastmasters International when I was in my early 20s, and that gave me a lot of confidence and a lot of know-how on how to approach a sale, how to talk to people, how to seal the deal, all of that good stuff. Well done. Well done. So let's go to 2013, and that was seven, eight years ago. Tell me about this period between 2013 and today. What was the most significant accomplishment for you? Oh, it's been a great ride. I mean, I had a lot of worries going into sales and I I overcame a lot, but I've made quite a few sales. I've really increased the distribution of the magazine. I've really improved the ad line. Ed and I have done a great job with that. Um, We've made the content better. I would say my biggest accomplishment was probably getting a certain cover advertiser uh, Vista Aviation was one of our best clients when my dad was alive, and then uh, they kind of went away for a while. Then they came back, and just being able to have a good relationship and, and get them on the cover was one of my favorite sales. That was one of my favorite covers, and I enjoyed that so much. Just getting to know their story. When did that occur? I think it was 2016. Okay, all right. So, what was the hardest? thing that you had to overcome between 2013 and 2020? Leaving out COVID. Okay. Uh, Well, it's very challenging when you enter a role where a lot of people, it's not that they look down upon it necessarily, but they have a lot of their own fears that they bring into it. I remember somebody telling me, oh, you're a telemarketer. You're going to get hung up on, you know, nobody wants to talk to a salesperson over the phone. Uh, that's old hat. Everybody's doing everything on Facebook. The print media is dead. I got a lot of negative feedback from various friends, family, etc. And I, I kind of brought that in with me. I was worried about that. So just staying on the phone and continuing the calls day after day was very helpful to me. Just sticking with it because I feel like if you take a break, it's hard to go back. Yeah. Yeah, I used to be a baseball coach, and I always knew that if someone stopped their daily routine or disciplines, their skills eroded. And it was it was with baseball anyway. It was hard to get it ever to get it back if you lost it. So, and I I don't know whether that was all confidence or not. So, you have been responsible for the growth of the magazine pretty much individually since 2013, right? Uh, well, with my team, I mean, I no, didn't do it alone. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to take anything away from your team, but you, you've been. It, the buck stops at your desk. Yes, exactly. I mean, I I have really. Uh, I think I've grown it a, a good deal. Um, you know, we're we want to continue to grow. We're launching a second publication called Biz Av Jets USA that's going to focus more on the business aviation market. The market spoke and we listened. We're hearing a lot of people transitioning over to the jet side of things. And we're going to stay strong in general aviation, but we're also going to do a business aviation version. And I feel like our company is really growing and that there's great hope going into the new year. So what scares you the most about that new publication? Well, I do worry that I'm used to kind of a grassroots kind of publishing Um, We really, our roots are in newspaper publishing, which is a little different from magazine. We were a folded publication. Then we went to staple bound. Then we went to perfect bound. And 
you know, we're on newsprint. We pass the savings down to the customer. This is going to be a little more slick. This is going to be in Atlantic and signature places that are a little bit more upper scale. And I'm used to communicating with the general aviation audience, and that's been great. But I am a little bit worried about just making the overall transition. It might be a different kind of sales, but I have an excellent partner out of Las Vegas, Eli Stepp. And I feel I know Eli. Yeah, I feel very confident that he and I are going to work very well together. Do you also have a digital version of your magazine? We do. Yes, it is accessible on any computer or mobile device at inflightusa.com. And the new publication will also be both. It'll be both. It'll be online and in print. So what's the challenge between having a print magazine and also a digital version? Well, it can. It was challenging when we first made the transition to digital. We were worried that nobody would want to read the print one anymore, that it would be a waste of money to keep printing. But I'm, I'm not so worried about that because there's a lot of people who like to hold it in their hands. There's really not that much of a challenge. It's very easy to put it up online. And this actually scared a lot of people on our staff. Oh, my goodness. How are we going to put the magazine on the website? What if it doesn't function? But it was very easy to learn all of that. The learning curve was not that hard. We mastered that, and that was actually very easy. So I'm not, I don't have those fears anymore. So, how do you assess the circulation, to use that term, of a digital magazine? Well, we use a platform called Issue, and they provide extensive data and analytics. If you log into that website, you can see how many people have read it what percent of them actually went cover to cover as opposed to just going to a certain ad or article just to see something. Uh, It will provide extensive statistics and data on that. So we look at those analytics. So you have 20 to 30,000, depending upon issue, distribution of the print magazine. What is the numbers of the people who look at the digital magazine? We've gone as high as 120,000. But wow. sometimes it's lower, you know, 80 or 90,000. Yeah, but we're in the, you and I are in the same PR business. We always quote our big numbers. Right. 120,000 was the, one of the highest months. You know, when around the AA Air Venture, we get a lot of people looking at it online. Did that number shock you? It did. Yeah, I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised. Okay. And those people are all over the U.S., right? Or is it global? It's in the U.S. Yeah, a little bit in Canada, but mostly U.S. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to take you back to when you were nine years old. What was going on in your life at that time that prepared you for what you're doing now? Nine years old. That's interesting. I remember being in the fourth grade and maybe I wasn't the greatest student, but one thing I really liked to do was write. And I liked writing stories. There's a family friend of ours who was kind of a character. My grandmother knew her. She would wear vibrant clothing and she had vibrant purses with sequins and glitter. And she was just a real character. One night we got together with her and uh, she was kind of being her usual character self. And I remember writing a story about her in the fourth grade and the teacher questioning my parents if she was real or made up or where she was coming from and (laughs) all these crazy questions about this character. So I think I kind of, at, at the elementary age, discovered how much I liked to write especially how much I like developing characters, taking a character, a family friend, a neighbor, whoever it was, and really putting them in a story and seeing how far it would go. 
So how far did you go with your fiction side of your career? I have been writing for, for a long time. I've completed a novel. I finished a book of short stories. I have published them in a few publications, but it, nothing really well known. I want to focus more on getting a book out. I'd like to get a book of short stories out in circulation. Who has been your biggest influence as a writer? As a writer? Well, it's interesting. I mean, my last name is Italian, but my mother's Greek American and I'm half Greek. So I pattern a lot of my stories after the Greek writer in South Bend, Indiana, Harry Mark Petrakis. He actually lives in Chesterton, Indiana. And that is where I focus my fictional stories. I love to write about Lake County, Michiana, all of Northwest Indiana, Merrillville, Hammond, that whole lake area there. So did you ever actually live there? Uh, no, I've been there several times. I never really established okay. a residence there, but I, I've been it wasn't, there. It wasn't all imagination, though, right? No, not at all, no. So let's come forward to high school. Okay. Tell me about what you were doing in high school that prepared you for what you're doing now. Well, in high school, I, I really kind of started developing the leadership part of myself. I remember taking on some projects. My favorite subject was history. I had a great teacher and he would assign projects here and there that we had to work on as a team. And I remember just having so many ideas, going home and uh, writing down lists of what we were going to do and working with the group to put together a project. One project was creating a 1920 style gazette or newspaper, which was very exciting for me because that's what my family did. And we were actually able to lay out the newspaper in our facilities. And I brought it back to school The next day, the teacher was very, very excited. So I really started developing leadership and journalism skills and really figuring out how to manage a team of people. I think that's where it started was in that U.S. history class. So let's go to your college. What did college prepare you for your current job, your current role? I was a history major. I also studied English. I took a a lot of different classes and I had some great professors at San Jose State. I really remember those professors took a lot of time to learn about their students, but you had to go to them. I remember before I started at a big public university, a lot of people were telling me, you're just going to be a number there. There's 30,000 people there. Nobody really cares if you do your homework or not. But that turned out to not be true at all, because if you seek out their experiences, if you go to their offices and say, I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about the Indo-Europeans or whatever it is that they're discussing, the Puritans. Um, And they would sit there and they would discuss it. And and that's a very important life lesson I learned when I was at the university is that people are very willing to talk if you're willing to listen and pay attention to them. It gave me good people skills. So over the last few minutes, I've made a major discovery. Now, this is for the, the listeners. Anna and I have been friends for a couple of years. And I did not know how much her life parallels mine. When I was in grammar school, I was writing all the time. When I went into high school, I kind of pulled away from it. And I never went to college for writing. But I have completed a couple of novels. I've written maybe 150, 200 short stories. And I can remember when I was a kid, I hated English class because I wasn't interested in sentence structure. All I wanted to do was write. And I didn't care about grammar. It was just I wanted to get my ideas out of my head. And, you know, it's funny that we both kind of wound up doing writing as an important part of our lives, because as Anna knows, I've written a lot of articles. And now I've transitioned pretty much to doing videos. But 
at, at the request of Anna Marie, I'm going to return to my writing which just so I can be part of her magazines, plural. And I love to do that. I like doing it. I like creation. I like idea creation. So I didn't know that our, our, our tracks were so similar. So that must be why I, I feel really connected to you. So if you had the opportunity today and go back to your nine-year-old self, and I just picked nine arbitrarily, what would you tell yourself? I would say to keep writing about that one character because I've even written about her in my adult life and just watching how I developed that character from the time I was that age to my adult writing life. I've seen a big change. And sometimes when you're a kid, you want to quit. My dad always said, we're not quitters. And sometimes if you're not doing well with something or you're struggling with something, it's easy to give up and not go back to it. And I felt that way several times with my writing when I was younger. If a certain character wasn't developing fast enough or if things weren't going well, just kind of give up. But I would tell myself not to give up and to keep developing it because great things can happen if you stick with something. Awesome. Awesome. And it's interesting because my background as a baseball coach, it's the same thing. It's discipline. It's sticking to it. It's the, the, have you ever read the book Three Feet from Gold? No. Yeah, I highly recommend it because it's it's a great story and I won't ruin it for you. It's not a piece of fiction. It's a true story, but there's a great lesson in there about persistence and not giving up. Um, totally, yeah. All right. So what can I do to help your in-flight as well as the, the BizJet Aviation magazines? Well, you've done so much for us and we really appreciate uh, you advertising with us, writing for us and helping our website grow. We are launching a new website that will feature both publications, hopefully within the next 10 days. We have a web designer on it right now and it would be great if we could get some videos, some podcasts or just some content on that website. I think that would be very helpful to us in growing our operation. You know, I always say yes to you, right? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 The only question I have for you is how many and how much do you want? Because, you know, I I think I told you I've got thousands of videos and probably. I know. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many. Uh, Maybe we could just start off with five to not overwhelm the audience and then we'll see how they take it and go from there. All right. Be glad to do that. So if you could tell your, I'm going to ask you a totally inappropriate question. How old are you now? 29. All right. If you could tell your 50-year-old self something, what message would you send to yourself from what you know today? Don't get burnt out. I I think that's a big one. I know a lot of people who are older than me in various leadership roles, and sometimes they have a been there, done that kind of attitude. You know, they're they're tired. It's like, oh, networking groups, been there, done that. Reading self-help books. Oh, been there, done that. And they kind of close their mind to new things. Not everybody. There's plenty of people who don't do this, but there's a lot of people who do. And I would tell myself at 50, 60, whatever, don't close your mind to things. You have not been there. You have not done that. It's always something new to be learned. Okay. So if you could tell your 70-year-old self something, what would you tell your 70-year-old self? Oh, at 70, I would say, I mean, I plan to work for as long as I can, but I I would say enjoy life a little and do some traveling. I think that's good because, uh, you know, a lot of people in my family didn't like to travel and I wasn't born loving to travel, but I think it's important for me as a writer because you see things, you hear things, smell things, feel things when you travel to a certain place that you can't get researching on the internet or talking to people on the phone. You have to get out there and do it. So I think it's 70 if I'm fortunate to live that long, I would say, 
travel. Okay. So we'll come back to the 29-year-old self. Up to this point, where what countries have you been in besides the United States? I've been to Greece twice. Um, and on the way there and back, I had some layovers and I was able to explore a couple of towns, uh, Paris and Zurich and Frankfurt, Germany. So I've set foot in those countries. I've been up to the West Coast of Canada, but that's it. I've not been to Central Canada or to the East Coast. I would like to see that. That's pretty much all the traveling I've done. I've done a lot more inter-U.S. travel uh, to Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and then, of course, the Washington, D.C., New York area. And those were very fun trips. I don't know if you know this, but I used to own the world's largest race car building company back in the 70s and 80s. And I drove I drove across the United States a lot because I was going to race car events and giving seminars at those events. So I discovered as I drove across the United States that there's little pockets of entirely different cultures. So it really United States is really a combination of United States or United cultures. And, you know, that was a very interesting thing for me. So it got to the point that I did it so much that sometimes I just decided I was driving and I was on my way home and I didn't have a specific target time to be home. I said, gee, I wonder what's up there. And I just turn right and go up the roads. And, you know, I wasn't afraid to, to go to places that I had never been for, but I've, I went to 17 different schools before I got out of high school. So I was, a, I have the gypsy blood. So, you know, it's a, it's a great country. Have you ever been anywhere in, in the, the far East or Japan or the Philippines or China? No, I'd like to, um, seeing that aviation is really growing in China and that the U.S. is doing a lot to help that effort. We would love to have a presence there and to go there and interact with the locals. Great, great. So what is your target in terms of circulation for the print version of In-Flight Magazine? We would like to get to 40,000. I mean, that would be my goal. But I also realized that there's a lot more we can do to promote the online version and grow our numbers that way. And we would look at that before increasing the print. But I would like in my lifetime to get to 40,000. Okay. But, you know, that's, come on, you're giving yourself 40 years to get there, right? Yeah, I could probably do even better than that, you know, maybe 50 or 60. I th- From what I know of you, you can do anything that you want. Just put your mind to it and decide, right? Yes, thank you. What can I do to help you in that journey? Well, uh, tell everybody you know about the magazine. I mean, you're already distributing them in your office. And uh, if you want to promote our online issue on your social media, that'd be great. Facebook, Instagram. I mean, the more readers we have, the more advertisers we can bring in, the more advertisers we have, the more we can grow. It's just an endless cycle. So you're doing a lot for us already. But if you want to do more social media sharing, that'd be fantastic. Would love to do it. Love to do it. So what is the single event in this lifetime, all of your 29 years, and I'm not making fun of you, but that's your entire life at this point, that shaped you or changed you? Well, uh, not not to put a damper on this, but when my dad died, that was kind of a changing moment because he was a big influence in my life. And when when was that? I was about I was about 12 when he died. So you know, I'm very fortunate that my mom was in the same line of work and she held on to the business along with his colleagues and staff that they were able to hold on to it because at that age, I couldn't really go in there and run it. You know, I could do some sales, some distribution, just help out around the office, answer phones. And I did a lot of that, but I really couldn't jump in until into high school, I would say. 
Um, okay. So, but when he died, I, I really started to think about what I wanted to do, what my next step in life was. And I had a lot of different ideas, but in the back of my mind, I always saw myself running his company. I always did. And I'm, so I'm you wound up where you're going to be anyway. Yes, yes. But, you know, and some people thought maybe that was bad news because things didn't go well after he died. I mean, obviously, anytime an owner of a business dies, there's going to be a little bit of suffering, no matter how good the team is, you know, because people get to know that person. They like calling the place and hearing that person. You know, they develop a trust with that individual. So naturally, there was a bit of a dip there. And as I came into it in high school, a lot of people said, maybe it would be better for you to consider something else. The company <laughs> might not be doing as well, or they got to know your dad and they might not want to work with somebody younger and things. I, I did hear some discouragement, but not only was I able to step into his role as a publisher, but I was also able to expand everything that I'm doing, launch new publications, start new businesses. It has been a launching pad for me throughout my young adulthood. So. I'm I'm really thankful for that. So how were you able to overcome all those people telling you that you couldn't do it or delivering constantly delivering bad news to you? Well, how were you able to overcome that? Well, I, I figured, you know, just stick with it, see what happens. Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. You know, don't don't take it too seriously when one person tells you not to do something or if one person tells you that something is not a good idea. Their intentions are most likely good, you know, they think that you should do things their way or something like that. And that's fine, but just vet it out for yourself and really make sure that they're hundred percent correct on that. Because a lot of people in the general public believe that print media, even magazines are dead, that they are not going to live very long. But I got involved with an organization called Niche Media. It's based in Sacramento, California. It's a really good organization. And they have provided extensive tools on how to grow a publishing company. I've used, I, I haven't nearly scratched the surface of what I could do, but I've taken just a little bit of their advice and it's made a big difference. So I'm excited to continue to implement their encouragement. Niche as an N-I-C-H-E media? Yes. Okay. So do you actually come to Sacramento or do you communicate primarily over the phone? Yeah, it's all online. Um, I, I've attended a few of their events. It's all been virtual. They have conventions all over the country. They've had a few in Texas, a few in New York. I'd like to go to one someday. I haven't been able to get out to those, but just their virtual events have been really helpful. Just the advice. So the next time that you do one of those virtual events with Niche Media, if I can attend them, let me know. I'm quite interested in what you do and how you do it and, and the tools that are available in that. So you know, keep me apprised of what's going on with that group because I'm very, very interested in it. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, I think you would fit right in. It's very motivational. Good. So who is a competitor or what publication is a competitor to InFlight USA? Well, I would say General Aviation News is kind of our top competitor. There is a lot of overlap between our two publications, but I have to say that there are some key differences that people should be aware of. And that is, uh, we're more of a bound magazine. They're still folded. They are still very much a newspaper and we've kind of combined the two. We've turned a hybrid. We do have a lot of news in our publication, but we also have a lot of bylines. So we are a news magazine and, uh, you know, they're a great publication and we're very friendly competitors 
Um, another competitor, I mean, controllers, more aircraft for sale, but they still sell to the same kind of people we sell to, to try and get ads. So I guess you could say that's a competitor, but there's enough room for everybody in this space. And I didn't even believe that going into it. I thought this was a, a struggling market and that I would never be able to hold a candle to some of the competitors. But I feel that we are all different in our own right. Every publisher, publishing is really an art and every editor and publisher brings their own style into it. And advertisers have great opportunities with any publication. They could benefit from being in all of them. I really believe that. Awesome. So I was going to ask you what your biggest surprise was in terms of those competitors. And I think you actually told me that. So I'm going to ask you the question again in case you don't feel like you answered it. What was your biggest surprise in getting to know the people at General Aviation and Controller? Well, I I didn't really sit down and, and meet with them at any one point. When I was growing up, our biggest competition was Pacific Flyer. And okay. that's a classic example of the publisher injecting their own style and art into that publication. They were very much into nose art pinups, things like that, which is great. I know a lot of people in aviation love that, but that's not really our thing. I mean, we do have some of that going on and we feature it once in a while, but we try to stay away from that. We want to deliver the message that aviation is for everybody from young girls growing up, people of color. We try to really embrace the whole diversity of it. But so my biggest surprise was just seeing how people who are trying to do the same thing could really be so different. And Pacific Flyer was an example of that because they just loved those little uh, Betty Boop things. And, you know, I really don't want to offend anybody. This is going to be heard by a lot of aviation people, but that just wasn't our thing. My dad wasn't into them. My mom wasn't into them. So that's an example of how we set ourselves apart. And really what's a surprise about that is how much different the audience can be, even within a small niche, how different it can really be, just with something minor like that. Yeah, I completely understand. Give me an idea what the uh, circulation is of the print magazines for general aviation and controller. Oh, (laughs) I'm thinking that general aviation news, they have a really solid uh, distribution because everywhere I go, they get them out there and they have, they must be really organized in the mail room because I see them absolutely everywhere. I cannot give you an exact number of that, but they're what doing would your guess be? probably 30 or 40,000. Okay. What's your guess about controller? Oh, they're probably a lot more because I think they come out twice a month. It's not just a monthly. They There's two per month. So yeah, probably double what we are. I don't know if this is going to help or hurt me to say this on a, on a podcast. I want you to understand there's no one thing that you can say that will ever hurt your ability to sell something. So. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll be honest. I want the people to know the truth. So yes, they come out twice a month. So it is probably double what we are. Yes. So, but they're double what you are because they print it twice. They print an issue twice. So their, their general circulation on a per capita basis is about the same. Probably. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what can you learn for in-flight magazine from general aviation, which you seem to have a lot of respect and affinity for? Oh, yeah, I could probably take some lessons from them in terms of distribution. Just the way they mail things seems so much more organized. I mean, several years ago, it's like we mailed things through our printer and that was going well. And we kind of lost track of where things were going. And then I had to get a list together and decide, okay, we need to make sure we're getting 
to these key states, Kansas and Texas and Oklahoma and all the big general aviation states where the weather's good and all of that. So I think their circulation, just the way they package things, I went to a seaplane base and saw them waiting there outside the seaplane office, very well put together the package. Um, They couldn't miss them walking in the door. So their distribution looks really good. And I'd like to improve ours and get more organized in our mail room to be more like them. As far as controller goes, you know, I'd like to serve the aircraft for sale market better. I'd like to work with people who are trying to sell their planes. Right now we have a classified section, but it's in small type. It's harder to read. I'd like to get that in bigger type to take up possibly more than one page, to inject more color into that page, to make it prettier, to better serve the aircraft for sale market. That's what I could learn from that. So here comes a tough question. What's stopping you? Well, it it is a lot of work. You have to be very organized. Distribution can be an all-day event. I mean, more than an all-day event. It takes it's a team effort. You really have to make sure that everybody's doing their part of the assembly line, that the printer's getting them there on time, which they are, and that they're being mailed to the right places and go over the list. So I would say just time. I'm just procrastinating on the time. <laughs> okay. So that you answered the question of distribution, but What's stopping you from doing the addition of the planes for sale or upgrading the way that it's presented in your magazine? Okay, yes, the classified section. Um, I think we're just very used to doing it the way that it always has been. It looks very much like a local newspaper's classifieds. It's kind of the Craigslist of the aviation world. And we would like to improve that. I think what's stopping me is just going up in pages. I mean, we're used to this length. Our audience is used to this length and bringing on more pages is going, I mean, obviously it's going to cost money, but it will also uh, change the landscape of the magazine. Okay. So do it. Yeah. I I really want to get together. You know me, I'm always encouraging you to try something new. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, we've been at this for about 40 minutes. And if you have anything that you'd like to deliver to the general aviation audience, the platform is all yours. And if you could talk for 20 minutes, you could do it. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think I'll go on for that long. First, I want to say thank you because this industry has supported my family. It has supported me all of my life. And I just want to say thank you for everybody who's worked with InFlight, who's put their trust and faith and confidence in us, and who has worked with us. I want to thank our employees. I want to thank our distributors and people who write for us. Thank you for the amazing content that you provide. Um, To those of you who are not familiar with us, I'd say please download it off of our website, read the publication. Feel free to ask me any questions. This is not some big corporation where you're going to get on the phone. It's going to be a robot answering. It's either going to be me answering or Ed answering. We're like family. We treat our advertisers and our writers like family. And we would love to hear from you how we can improve and we would love to help you. You know, um, If you would like to take out an ad with us, we have great discounts every month. We have online banners. Our website is improving. We are evolving and improving every day. So I would encourage you to give us a try. If it's not for you, we understand, but this is my friendly uh, welcome to you to come in and give us a try. And uh, we'll try our very best to continue to serve this industry, to continue to stay on top of things. If there have been any errors, if you're not receiving your magazine or something like that, I'm sorry. And we are working to sort out these kinks. 
So thank you so much for listening to me today, for giving me a voice in this industry. And thank you for supporting me as I am a student pilot. That's another thing. I mean, I'm learning to fly and I just want to thank EAA, AOPA, NBAA for their encouragement of student pilots. I really appreciate that. Well, I'm going to pile on here. Everything that this young lady just said to you is 100% true. I know that because she's one of my vendors. I, I, when I call there, I can talk to her. When I have, I don't know that I've ever had a problem with your organization, but if I did, I'd know that you'd fix it immediately. She's genuine. It's truly a family organization. And you, you, what's it going to cost you to go online and look at the magazine? And I give, give the, the magazine uh, URL again so everybody can't miss it. Yeah, it's www.inflightusa.com. There's no hyphens or anything that? In that? No, no, it's okay. pretty simple. Yeah. Okay. So there you are, a publisher, editor of In Flight Magazine, and everything she knows and her valuable life experience to help you become a better success. And, and I've, I always take so much away from every time that I talk to her, and I enjoy every minute that I get to talk to her. And she comes as a guest on my webinars quite often, and uh, I hope we'll continue doing that. Yes. Thank you so much for this opportunity. This has been great. No problem. Bye. Bye. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I'm invested in your business and personal success, and I hope you found this episode of the podcast insightful. If you or your business is ready to grow, check out my website, 10 Excellence. This is the way that you do that. Number 10, then X-L-E-N-Z. Be sure to follow me and send questions on Facebook at Arrow and Marine Tax Professionals and on Twitter and YouTube at Thomas Alston. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode.